G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You might have picked up some of our conversations over the past week with a number of speakers who are scheduled to be guests at this Saturday's Church and State Summit. A who's who of outstanding Australian and international speakers will share up-to-date insights into the status of Christian faith in the perceptions of the public and in the corridors of political power. One keynote international guest will be Dr. Frank Turek. Frank Turek is an internationally renowned Christian apologist, an American nationally syndicated radio host and president of crossexamined.org. Our privilege to have him joining us live with a preview to his presentation for this weekend's summit. Frank Turek, welcome along to 2020. Neil, thanks for having me on. Frank, you'll be on a live stream to the Church and State Summit on Saturday, and you're bringing a presentation that is going to highlight some of the international moral decline. Give us a a little insight into the sorts of things you might be addressing. Well, Neil, you always hear that uh, you can't legislate morality when, in fact, that's all you can legislate. All laws legislate some moral position. Every law declares one behavior right and the opposite behavior wrong. So the question isn't whether or not we can legislate morality. The question is, whose morality will we legislate? And my position is, we ought not legislate my morality or your morality. We ought to legislate the morality. And uh, the morality is based on God's nature. It's called natural law. C.S. Lewis called it the moral law. Today we call it international law. This is the law that is based on God's nature, and every human being knows it, whether they accept it or not. Frank, the sorts of confidence required to stand up and make your stand, to have your say, those things are increasingly important, uh, not just for those who are seeking power as candidates or as uh, members of our parliaments, but ordinary people on the street. You've got to have a level of confidence, and uh, in doing that and having that confidence, you've got to have faith in God. If you're shaky with your faith in God, you're not going to have confidence to stand. Any thoughts here? Yes, and you're not going to have a standard either, because if there's no God, there's no way to say that one behavior is right and the opposite behavior is wrong. This is a problem that atheists have. They try and claim that there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong, but they have no way to justify those things, Neil. If God doesn't exist, then everything's a matter of opinion. It would be no different objectively to murder someone than to love them if there's no God, because there's no standard beyond humanity. It's just one person's opinion against another person's opinion. This is why, by the way, the Allies could convict the Nazis after World War II to say, you had a standard beyond your government that you were obligated to obey. If your government gave you an immoral order, you were obligated to disobey it. 
And that standard is international law. That's what we call God's nature. And you have to know that God exists, or at least you have to posit that God exists in order to have that standard. Some people say, yes, I believe God exists. And they still will say, but isn't my position a faith position? Isn't everybody else arguing a reason position? I know you've been strong on this in past times and some of the books that you've written, that Christian faith is reasonable and absolutely necessary. How do you encourage Christian believers to grapple with their faith and be able to argue with substance when it comes to the issues we're talking about? I tell them to get evidence. Get evidence that God exists. Get evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Those are the two basic questions you need to answer in order to discover that Christianity is true. Because if God exists, Neil, and Jesus rose from the dead, then game over, Christianity is true. Uh, you say, why Jesus rising from the dead show that Christianity is true? Because if Jesus predicted and accomplished his own resurrection from the dead, then he is God, and whatever God teaches is true. Jesus taught the entire Old Testament as the Word of God, and he promised the New Testament. Neil, I just have a personal policy. If somebody rises from the dead, I just, I just trust whatever the guy says. <laughs> I think that's really valid and very, very important. Hey, we live in a very politically correct environment. Sometimes we put tags on that. We say that has all of its substance growing out of what we'd call cultural Marxism, a godless philosophy. And you argue that that actually hurts not just Christians, but it hurts everyone when you adopt that sort of position. What are your thoughts here, Frank? Well, yeah, I think Marxism does hurt everybody. Let's just take it from an economic perspective, uh, Neil. There is nobody at Apple right now who knows how to make an iPhone. You go, wait a minute, Frank, somebody has to know. There's nobody who knows how to make an iPhone from scratch. Why? Because it's far too complicated, and we have to rely on one another to get things done like that. And Adam Smith, back in 1776, wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations, in which he said that uh, there's an invisible hand that guides the market. Do you know that when an iPhone is together, there are thousands of people that contribute to it. Nobody... Uh, necessarily knows anybody else because some of these people are in different countries, they speak different languages, but somehow due to accumulated knowledge and the invisible hand, an iPhone can come together by people working in different places in different languages because we can we have a market that allows all this to happen. This is why Marxism from an economic perspective will never work, Neil, because not only does it take incentive away, but it also, uh, it also exposes the fact that never, that never can a uh, one individual coordinate all of these activities that have to come together to, to make an iPhone, or even make a pencil, no less. So Marxism doesn't work from an economic perspective because there's no one person that has the time, motivation, or knowledge to coordinate all this from the top down, and that's what Marxism tries to do.
Let's come back to morality again. And you say, well, uh, you know, whose morality is being legislated here? Uh, Just a little earlier than our conversation, we were talking about the upcoming state election in the Australian state of South Australia. And uh, towards May, we'll have another federal election here in Australia. And some people will separate this thought that the economic issues are much more important. That's why we, in fact, elect governments. But morality, what we can hear you say today, we can hear your heartbeat here, morality plays a huge factor in determining the future of the nation. What would your encouragement be for listeners to just get a context right for where a moral position might work and the way we elect our, our authorities? Well, if you think about this, just about every problem we have has a moral basis to it, right? Uh, The fact that we have security issues is a moral issue because people are stealing. The fact that we have children born out of wedlock is a moral position uh, because, obviously, if they weren't born out of wedlock, they'd be taken better care of and the state wouldn't have to get involved. Uh, The very fact that um, we have issues related to the family and abortion and and sexual immorality these things are all moral issues and they have a tremendous cost on society neil when the when the family breaks down the government tries to step in to take the place of the family a it can't do it b it's inefficient at doing it at c that creates economic trouble so if you're concerned about economics you should be concerned about morality because so much of the costs of running a society are due to immoral behavior Frank, give us a little insight into your perspectives, into what's happening in your homeland. We're talking to you today from the United States. Uh, what are the biggest challenges, the biggest issues for Christians and looking at the politics on both sides in the U.S.? What are you seeing there today? Well, here in the U.S., we have uh, a, an enormous debt. It's nearly $30 trillion dollars. And, um, I mean, there's no way to, there's no way to save your way out of that. Uh, that's one of the biggest problems we have. And, and by the way, that's related to immorality because people are, are, are basically mortgaging their future to spend now. And that's an immoral position. We're putting all this debt on future generations. We also have problems here with abortion. We have problems here with sexual immorality, which creates all these problems I just mentioned. We have problems now with uh, cancel culture here in America, that citizens are turning on one another and canceling them rather than debating them. And I think one of the reasons for this, Neil, is that once truth is sacrificed, the only way you can govern people is by power. You can either govern people by truth, principle, or you can govern people by power. And when people no longer will tolerate truth, the only way to govern them is by power. This is why, by the way, just north of us in Canada, Prime Minister Trudeau decided to govern people by power. He didn't want to talk to the truckers. He didn't want to debate the issues with the truckers. He didn't think they had any reason. He had no reason to talk to them. He just wanted to put a, a, a boot on their neck. And this is this is not good for democracy moving forward, Neil. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but it's getting pretty bad here. Uh, things might not be too far behind where you are in the United States if we continue on the sort of trajectory we are on. Let me ask you about solutions, Frank, because there is a PC language 
and there is a Christian narrative, how do we, in fact, see some sort of a way that that Christian narrative might rise to the surface and and combat or at least uh, be an alternative to the sort of PC language we're hearing right across our entire media? Yeah, well, I think one way to do that is get as many people saved and sanctified as possible, uh, because once you transform the human heart, then societies can be transformed with them. Uh, The problem is, is that we're not doing a really good job of getting people saved and sanctified, and so the entire culture degrades with it. Uh, And if people don't look to God for uh, their direction, they're going to look to the state And then the state is going to get so big and so cumbersome and so powerful that many of the freedoms that we've enjoyed here in the United States and there down under in Australia are going to go by the wayside because people, instead of of ruling by principle, are going to begin to rule completely by power. And if they don't like what you say, if they don't like what you do, if they don't like your worldview, they're going to use the strong arm of government to silence you, and that's that's the danger we're facing right now. Some listeners will be thinking, things are getting hot. I think I'll just keep my head down. I wonder if we can come back for a moment to why our Christianity matters so significantly. You said a little earlier in our conversation, you can't make people good. Uh, You need to have a religious perspective in there. And of course, as Christians, uh, we're going to be saying we've got the goods, we've got the reasoned faith response. Take us back to this for a moment. And for listeners who are listening to our conversation now, why our Christianity matters so much. uh, And we might be even concerned why it's being ignored in mainstream media, but take us into why our faith is so powerful and it matters today. Well, as I just mentioned, Neil, I think it matters because it transforms the human heart. And um, there's a there's a, uh, a Jewish conservative talk show host here by the name of Dennis Prager. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. He has something known as PragerU, which is on YouTube, where he has these short five-minute videos that explain complex issues from 30,000 feet. They're quite good. But I'm going to use an illustration that he gave many years ago. He said, imagine that you're in a very bad part of a a major city, and your car breaks down at 2 o'clock in the morning. Your cell phone is dead. You get out of your car, and you see 10 men emerge from an alley, and they're all walking toward you. Would you or would you not be relieved to discover that these 10 men had just walked out of a Bible study? (laughs) I think that is a very powerful illustration. And as a reflection on the leaders who lead a nation, uh, do we want to be beaten up or do we want those leaders to be our defenders? A very, very powerful perspective. Hey, Frank, I know our time is short. Uh, Let me just say to listeners, you can connect with Frank Turek, an internationally renowned Christian apologist. He has a website. It's called crossexamined.org, called Your Source of Christian Apologetics. Frank's also the author of a number of books available at online booksellers and Christian bookstores. Legalizing morality. Is it wise? Is it legal? Is it possible? Stealing from God. Why atheists need God to make their case. 
and correct, not politically correct. There's also television programs that you may be able to access online. Frank Turek hosts a weekly television program called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. His radio program, Cross-Examined with Frank Turek, airs on 186 stations across the United States. And he is a keynote guest speaker at this weekend's Church and State Summit at Harvest Point Church in Bow Desert, just south of Brisbane. Uh, You can register to be a part of that summit, churchandstate.com.au, and if you can't be there in person, you can choose that live stream option, churchandstate.com.au. Frank Turek, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Neil, you are the best radio host I've ever heard. Keep it going. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.